just want to share this, and it may surprise some of you, but there's four days that's tough on a preacher. Four days that's tough on a pastor. You ready for them? Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, and Father's Day. Explanation, whether needed or not. What happens, there's people that come on those four days. It's a formality for them. I'm going to go to church because it's Christmas. My family goes, I'm going to join them. Easter, it's a formality for them. I'm going with my family. It's Easter. I'm going to join them. And most of the time after Christmas, it's back to homes for big dinners and suppers and such. Doesn't change on that of Easter. So as a pastor, you know, Christmas and Easter, even though they should be the Christian's day, that we should be more focused on the reason for the season, Jesus Christ, and on Easter, we ought to be focused on the only thing that separates Christianity from our religions, and that's the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. They're a day that if we're not careful, it's a formality, and we don't hear nothing from God that day. Agree or disagree, I've been in it for 20 years and there's probably less happens in the church those two days than any other day when you're hoping it'd be the day that the most happens. I don't blame the lost and dying world that comes just for those two days. I blame the Christians for being unfocused and focusing more on the worldly things on those two days. But I said there's four days it's tough. You ready for the next two? Mother's Day. I mean, come on, there's mothers that desire for their kids to be in church. And on Mother's Day, guess what? Those kids will be on their side. Here they'll come and the mamas are so glad for them to be there. But look here, it's just a formality. I go to church every Mother's Day. Boy, I'm going to be good to my mom. I'm going to tell you, you want to be great for your mom? Join her every Sunday. But it's a formality. Nothing much happens on Mother's Day because we're focused on we're going to have Mother's Day dinner, whether it's you treating them or what have you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm telling you, there's four days tough on a preacher. Right behind Mother's Day is, guess what it is today? Father's Day. Boy, it's just a formality. We're going to meet. We're going to go through the motions of church today. If we're not careful, we'd be so focused on what we're going to do with our fathers after this service we forget to let the Father of all fathers speak to our hearts. So what I'm trying to tell you on four of what ought to be some of the most special days in the body of believers called the church is more times than not the toughest day for the pastor to get anything relayed because the truth of the matter is it's just a day of scheduled events and this and that, and we just want the preacher hurry up and get done and let us get with our Christmas, our Easter, our Mother's and Father's Day. If you need to leave, there's the door. So you've all decided to stay. But some of you decided to leave. You're just not brave enough to do it. So if that's you, change your heart real quick. Just because you didn't get up and leave, I'm going to pull some scripture on you. God said, Moses, come up here. You're here. Some of you, that statement got a little frustrating. You'd like to leave. Well, you stayed. 
Well, now I'm going to get to Scripture. When God told Moses, come up here, come up here. Then he said, but be here. In other words, you can come up here and sit, but you can be a thousand miles away right here. So you didn't get up and leave, and you're a little mad, and you, you think, boy, he's got up, and he's, I'm not aggravated. I'm just trying to warn you because I look out for your soul, and you ought to be glad I do because it's profitable for you, not me. You ought to get that wall down. You ought to put down what your Father's Day festivities hold for you. And you ought to just take just a short time to listen to what God has to say to you today. Amen. Don't just come in here today. Be here. Amen. That song that David just sung. Sometimes I will just study out the words of a song when God lays that on my heart. David done planned to sing that when I talked to him yesterday evening. When I called Mike, he put it in his song service this morning. But have you ever thought what the songwriter that wrote that song, I believe it's Chris Tomlin, did you ever wonder maybe what he was going through when he penned those words? Come on, think with me just a little bit. How does that song start out? Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you are. Come on, ask somebody who God is. Well, He's Creator, some would say. And that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in them thousand stories, you'll hear Creator, and it's a true story. He's Creator. I've even heard him call the man upstairs, and many say that's not giving him reverence. But I'm here to tell you, my Bible says he sits high and looks low. Call him the man upstairs if you want. Disagree or dis, di, disagree or agree, guess what? He's up there and he looks low. I've heard him called in a country song, he's the keeper of the stars. And I will say to that, my Bible says he's the one that flung them into space. He's the one that holds them there. And get this, he calls them by name. So what I'm trying to tell you, this songwriter says there's a thousand things that people says he is. And the truth of the matter is, he probably is every bit and more of those thousand things that they say he is. But I'm telling you, I'm trying to get in the mind and the situation of this songwriter. Makes me wonder, was he having little odds with his earthly father? Come on, have you ever just meditated upon those words? He said, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of the night. Maybe the earthly father, he couldn't get him awake to talk to him and needed him. But look here, there's a God who never sleeps nor slumbers and he can whisper to you in the dead of the night. And what did he whisper? And you told me that you're pleased with me and that you'll never leave me. Aren't you glad the Bible assures us that he'll never leave nor forsake us? But here's where I'm trying to get in the mind of this songwriter, what he's going through. Because the Course speaks it. Think about it. I've heard a thousand stories of who they think you are. But when he comes to that Course, what's he say? 
But you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. Maybe he didn't think his earthly father loved him. You're a good, good father. He says three times, that's who you are. Stop, time out. Who are you? What are you? Makes me wonder what the situation was of this songwriter. There's a thousand things, but you could be in this very moment. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. Listen to this. You wondered who you are or what you are? And I'm loved by you. Don't you love the next three lines? That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Look up here. Listen closely to the words of that song, and you might start to ponder and wonder what the situation of that writer was when he penned those words because it seems what he was focused on is what you are in this moment, in this situation. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. And guess what? Sometimes we wonder who and what we are. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. I've got a good, good father. He's perfect in every way. And I'm loved by Him. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Now I cut that in half from what I did at Telequal. Because I want to get straight to the sermon. I want to use what the songwriter says and called him that day in that situation. A good, good father and perfect in every way. You ready? Can I use the word father and use it for an acrostic for the message today if you didn't know what an acrostic is it's taken father and the points will be f standing for this a standing for that t standing for that h standing for this e standing for that so you can guess how many points there is right now if you can count how many letters there is in father he's a good good father That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. And in that song, he's calling you deeper still. I don't care how deep, how intimate you are with God this Father's Day. He's calling you to get closer. It's a love undeniable. You can't deny his love upon the old rugged cross. Scarcely a man die for another, even if it be his friend. But how about when you're against him and he still dies for you? No wonder he could hardly speak when he thought about the love of Christ. So undeniable. But peace, so unexplainable. That's what he says. There's no peace in this world, but if you know Jesus, you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. So here we go. Father. He's a good, good father. Perfect in every way. The F stands for forgiving. He's a forgiving father. Now what did he refer in the scriptures to Israel? Not just Israel. The children of Israel. Meaning God is their father. Israel is my children. Do you got that? If you don't know anything about the Bible, know this today. The children, God's children of Israel, are you listening? Say, I am. 
They would be close to God and it wouldn't be long. They would veer from the principles and the precepts of God. They would be out there doing the gross and hideous, unthinkable sins, Miss Terry. And God would get their attention. And guess what? Their father, our God in heaven, would forgive them. They'd be right back close. And the children of Israel would be in touch and in tune with their heavenly father. But most of the time, when you read the Old Testament, it didn't last long. They would begin to veer from the principles and precepts. And before you know it, they'd be out there in some gross, hideous sin. But then when they'd realize it, they'd come back to God. And you know what the God of Israel would do? He'd forgive them. I want you to listen to me today. They built a big new temple. They dedicated it to the Lord. And they was in tune and they was in touch. You can read about it in Second Chronicles chapter 7 with the Lord. And he was so, I mean, the house was filled with his presence, was filled with his glory. But he almost like he interrupts as a father to the kids having an intimate time with them. And look what he says. I wish it could always be like this. This is, this is, I can just see his mindset. God, I mean, the children of Israel, they're just in tune and in touch. But he says, hey, when you guys veer from me, you'll know it because I'll send a pestilence. I'll send a famine. And when that comes, if my children, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Listen to this. And I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Let me tell you why he's a good, good father. Let me tell you why he's perfect in all of his ways. Because no matter how far we veer, from His principles and precepts, the minute we turn and come back to Him, you know what He says? You confess your sins to me, I'm faithful, I'm just, to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God, don't ever make a mistake like the man I read about. His son had went wayward, alcohol and drugs. And man, some of you has been there with kids, Some uh, finding hope. I mean, that's to minister to those people. Man, you want them to get straight. You want them to get clean so bad. And so did this dad that I read about. But he told his son, don't come back here drunk. I'm done with you. Don't come back here high. I'm done with you. And one night that man, this boy, stood on the porch and knocked on the door. And the dad knew he was so drunk and high because he could just sway. couldn't even stand. And the dad said, I'm done with you. And he didn't answer the door. He got the call that that man, his son, they had found him dead in the alleyway. And that daddy had to stand over that casket crying, and he looked up to heaven. And he said, I made a mistake. I should have let him come one more time, one more time. You look at me and listen this morning. Our heavenly fathers make mistakes. Our earthly fathers make mistakes. Hear what I said. Don't hear what I said first. Hear what I said second. How's that? As an earthly father, we can make a mistake and quit forgiving too quick. Look up here. He's a good, good father. He's perfect in all of his ways. Your earthly father may not answer the door and may not forgive, but you got a heavenly father that the door's open 24 hours a day, and no matter how far you veered, no matter how far you went, the F in Father, it stands for He's a forgiving Father. And we ought to just thank Him that no matter how far we veer away, 
He's a forgiving father. How about the A? The A in father, he's a good, good father, perfect in all of his ways because he's an adopting father. David's done read the scriptures, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who are under the law, listen to this, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now crowd participation, slap yourself, wake up. Remember John Roselle used to speak for Cherokee Nation on foster kids and adoption? Look here. And I'm not sure what we can grasp on adoption. It's crowd participation, and you need to look around and see who's participating and and get this. I'm not sure when we read that verse how good it is. You want me to tell you why? Because most of us have our biological fathers. If you have your biological father and he's raised you, stick your hand real high and don't let it down until I tell you to. You got your biological father... Or you had him, even if he died, but you had him. Raise it real high. Don't let it down, Carl. High. Now look across there. You know what that's saying? Look across there. Keep him up high. That means none of us have, have, have experienced adoption. We, we, we was born to our biological and we had a, would you agree for you let him down? I said, not till I said, Mary. So when you look across the room, That's all those that say, we absolutely, we've never experienced adoption. You got that? Physically, earthly speaking. Okay. Now you can put, would you say that's the most of us? I mean, overwhelming the most of us. Now, I want you, if you was, didn't have your biological father, but you still was raised by a family member, a grandparent, never an adoption, but was just raised by somebody other than your biological father. Don't be ashamed. Hold your hands up. Look here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got that? But you wasn't adopted, right? You was? Okay. So we got that clear. Nobody's adopted. It's a family member or whatever. So maybe you guys that raised your, you can put them down now. Maybe you guys that raised your hand in the second bunch, which was very few. Maybe you understand adoption better than the majority that had their hands up first. Now I'm going to ask, is there anybody in the house? You don't know your biological father, your mother, and, and all, you just was adopted. Looky there. Three. They probably understand this a little better than us. I think we miss something in that verse. And I think the reason we miss it is we don't get it. But spiritually speaking, now those three or four that raise their hand that's adopted, now let me tell you the difference in fathers. Don't quit me here. There's a vast difference in fathers, and I don't know the reason they was adopted. But now I want you to listen to what I'm saying when it comes to earthly fathers. I think the lowest of lows would be considered just a sperm donor. I mean, that's just period. For lack of better terms, that's just what they are. And was never in life. Okay? So that's the bottom of the bottoms. But then, and the majority of the hands that you knew your biological father. Some of them wasn't much, but some of them was great fathers. I'm one of them. I have a great biological father. Okay? 
So when it comes to earthly father, some of you by raising your hands in the last group, I don't know what the cause is, but maybe it was just a sperm donor. Pitiful excuse. Really ain't a father. But the rest of you are saying, I've got a little better than that. That's physically speaking. So I'm just telling you, when we read that verse, sometimes it don't mean much to us. But if you had a terrible father that beat you, abused you, maybe you never knew him, but did not want you, and you was adopted, I think you'd better understand that verse. So you got to get there because this is not physical. This is spiritually speaking. You want me to tell you who your father was before you got saved? It's scriptural. You're of your father, the devil. Created by God, but not a child of God. Because when Satan come in and mankind fail, guess what? Every one of us become a child of the devil. You can read the Bible. It says it. So spiritually speaking, how many of you had a terrible spiritual father? 100% in case you're not getting there. You know what he wanted to do? Your earthly father, if he was no account, he may have just left. I don't care what happens to him. Let me tell you what your spiritual father, before you got saved, wants to do. It's in John 10.10. 10. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy you. That's who your spiritual father was before you were saved. Let me put it like this. Before you were adopted. And because God saw that, he sent forth his son to die on the cross, to be buried and rose again. And spiritually speaking, you had the worst father that you could ever have. He wanted to kill you. He wanted to destroy you. He wanted to steal from you. And in the midst of that, God sent forth his son and he says, but I'm here to adopt you. Aren't you glad he's an adopting father? Because spiritually speaking, guess what every one of us needed? We needed an adoption. Let's give it up for a forgiving father, an adopting father. But now we come to the T, if I'm spelling it right. He's a good, good father, perfect in every way because he's a trustworthy father. Have you ever read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust not in your own understanding. Don't trust in your ways. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he shall direct your path. And even our earthly fathers sometimes, boy, they're not trustworthy. Man, and I want to be a great father, but boy, sometimes can even the fathers that desire to be great be trustworthy? And I'm going to say as much as you want to be trustworthy, there's times that you cannot be trusted. You say, well, don't you tell, uh-uh. Well, okay, I won't tell you that, but I'm going to tell you my story. I mean, I thought I was a trustworthy dad. Some of you remember me telling the story of Trey and I being in the mountains of Colorado on a hunting trip. And we was riding, and them mountains are so big, and sometimes camp's just a quarter of a mile over the hill, but if you have to ride, or over the mountain, if you have to ride around, it could be a ten-mile ride. I'm on a sorrel mare, and Trey ain't very old, probably 12, 13 years old, and he's on a borrowed mule. And we're headed around this trail and I realize how late it's getting and I'm scared of the, I'm not scared of the dark, I'm scared of what's in the dark in the mountains. They could eat you. 
And so I'm thinking, boy, I'd sure like to be back to camp before it got dark. And and I says to myself, if we go the long way around, there's absolutely no way we're going to ride better than an hour, hour and a half in the dark. So we pull up the ponies and the mule. I said, Trey, if we continue to ride the trail back to camp, we're going to be way after dark. But if I've got my bearings right about me, camp's just over this mountain. Yeah. I says, so if we'll just go over this mountain, we can be back in camp in just a bit. Now, Trey's sitting on the mule. He looks at me, and then he looks at the mountain. He said, Dad, that all be good, but I don't think we can ride up that mountain. And I says to him, it ain't that steep. We can get over that mountain. And he looks at it and he looks back at me and he says, I don't think so, Dad. And I said, well, I think we can. I ride a little more than you, so I know the horses. I think we can. He looked at me one more time and he said, Dad, I don't think we can. And I've never had this question answered. I asked it that day when he, and he's, he's going to be 30 this year. And I asked him this when he was 12, and I don't think he's ever answered it. Because I looked at him and I said, I know we can, and I'll ask you something, Trey. Do you think I'd do anything to get you hurt? He's never answered it. <laughs> he just looked at me. And I, you know, most time when a dad asks his kids something, answer me, boy. I ask you a question that deserves an answer. And I started to really get on to him, answer me. And then I thought, I might not like the answer because I probably have done some things that could have got him hurt. And so finally I said, do you think I do anything? I asked him about three times. And I'll tell you, I've never got an answer. Here's what I did get that day. He just kind of shrugged his shoulders at me. I said, come on. And about halfway up the mountain, my horse flipped over backwards. I guess it got a little steep. Just was lunging and went straight over backwards. And all I could think of, my boy's behind me, and I just told him, would I do anything that gets you hurt? And now my horse looks like a bowling ball coming down the mountain, and he's somewhere down there like a bowling pin behind me. And my horse barely misses him, rolls to the bottom. And when I got up and looked at the wreck, my eyes got big. I looked at him. He went. (laughs) Boy, we'd like to thank his daddies. We'd never do anything to get our kids hurt. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Let me tell you the difference in God the Father. I want you to listen real closely. Sometimes he whispers. This is going to hurt. But trust me. See, we've got a father that's trustworthy. And he'll send us through some things. And sometimes we know beforehand, guess what? It's going to hurt. But he's trustworthy because of what Romans eight twenty eight says. For all things, no matter what I let you or send you through, all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, 
he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Have you guys ever went through some tough situations and in the midst of them have these questions? Where are you at, God? Come on. Tell a call about most of them. You guys say you've never questioned God? Come on, you've gone through something tough. Where are you at, God? What are you doing, God? And for the life of you, you cannot trace the nail-scarred hand of God. You don't know what's going on. I'm telling you today, He's a good, good Father, perfect in all of His ways. And when you can't trace His hand and you can't see His face, trust His heart because He's doing something that's making you more like Jesus than you've ever been. Amen. He's a good, good father, perfect in all of his ways because he's a forgiving father. He's an adopting father. He's trustworthy even when it hurts. But we've come to the age. He's a helping father. Now, I've got to straighten something out here because this really bothered me. What does Psalms 46 one say? Come on, it's one everybody knows. For you are my refuge. Huh? You are my strength. A very present what? Help in the time of trouble. Now look up here and listen. When I preached on that verse before, I told of little Johnny in the Sunday school class when the teacher said, Son, Johnny, what's a lie? And old Johnny said, I know what a lie is. It's a present help in time of trouble. Some of you ain't getting it. You've lied your way out of trouble. And I told that story. And just a few weeks ago, I'm driving down the road, and I get a phone call from a cowboy friend of mine. And he says, uh, and I mean, I could tell it was serious on the other end. He said, Rob, what did you say a lie was? And I didn't know where he was going just out of the blue. Rob, what did you say a lie was? And I said, a sin? No, a little boy said, I said, oh, the little boy, what's a lie? Present help in time of trouble. He said, yeah, that's it. Thank God you said that. I was in a bind while ago, and I had to tell a lie to get out of it. He said, I just wanted to call and get confirmation. That's what you said. I said, I said that, but that ain't what the Bible says. So I just want to straighten that up. You guys out there saying, boy, I got in trouble. Thank you for the word. I lied my way out of it. That ain't what I said. I said, he's a helping father. Don't lie your way out. That'll put you in bondage. That'll get you in bigger trouble. Folks, he's a helping father. I want you to look up here. It's Father's Day. And those of us that have great fathers, man, where I was at in my roping, I couldn't have never been there without the help of my father. I mean, he's the one that bought the horses. He's the one that built the building. He's the one that got me up and down the road. And, and some of you kids, they're good at something. You're good at something. And you've done that, whether it's sports Come on, there's things that your father helped you get there. And I hope my kids realize that, that, that I could help them through certain things. It might have been sports. And then come on, when they're getting their start, man, it's a tough world financially, and maybe it's a parent that helps a kid out financially to get their foot on the ground. Are you with me? And I hope we got fathers in here today that want to help their kids. But I want you to look up here, and I want you to get what I'm fixing to say. There comes a time when our kids are going to need help and it's above our heads. 
It's above anything that we can help them with. We don't know what to do when they need that help. But here's the good news. When our earthly fathers, it's above their heads and they cannot help, aren't you glad we've got a good, good father, perfect in every way? And when it's over our earthly father's head, aren't you glad we can go to our heavenly father and he's our refuge, he's our strength, and he's the very present? Say it with me. Help in the time of trouble. He's a forgiving father, an adopting father, a trustworthy father, a helping father. And here's my struggling point. Isn't E next? I said isn't instead of ain't. There's hope. Because I knew it didn't sound right when it come out. The E's next. He's an everlasting father. Isaiah said you're going to have a child. going to have a baby born to you. Government's going to be on his shoulders. And you shall call his name wonderful, and that he is. Counselor, and that he is. Mighty God, and that he is. But what was the fourth name? Everlasting Father. Now here's what I said. Wake up. Everybody likes to watch somebody struggle. Watch me struggle. Because I knew when I, I, I was, I kept coming back. There's all kinds of things I could say about our good, good, and perfect Father that start with an E. But he wouldn't get me, let me get past everlasting father. You want to watch me struggle? And I'm going to tell you why I struggle with it. Everything here, family wise, is temporal. Now I'm going to tell you why I struggle with that. Pay attention. Remember when the lawyers began to test Jesus? They began to test Jesus. How'd they test him? Well, the law says, When a man is married to his wife and the man dies, the law says the next brother, next youngest brother, gets that wife. Remember that in Scripture? Come on, it's in there. And they test him. The law says if a man marries a woman, he dies, the younger brother gets him. And then if he dies, the younger brother gets the wife. And then if he dies and they tested him, come on, how many brothers die? In the Old Testament, one old boy said, I've had enough. (laughs) I think she's killing them. I don't want her. But that was the law. Stay with me. And they was testing Jesus, wasn't they? What'd they ask him? Stay with me. Don't quit me. What'd they ask him? That's trying to trip him up. That's trying to mess him up. If she's had five brothers, which one of them will she be married to in heaven? What was his answer? Come on, surely you Sunday morning folks have read your Bible. What was his answer? No marriage in heaven. I said, watch me struggle. There's a widow. She misses her husband. Widow, widow, widow. And you miss your spouses. But let me tell you, when they left you, even when you meet up with them again, Ray ain't going to be your husband, Georgia. Let me tell you why that's a gut punch. Because I'm looking at all these widows and spouses that went on before them, and I'm just preaching the Scriptures. 
You long to be back with them, and you're going to be back with them, and it's going to be a blessing. But I can't understand how it could be a blessing, and you may not can even understand how it's going to be a blessing. Ray's not going to be my husband in heaven. And I'm just telling you, you lose a spouse young. I've not been there, but I can't imagine when I read there's no marriage in heaven. I'm just asking some of you widows and widowers, doesn't that kind of hurt? You with me? I think if you're honest with yourself, you think, man, I know I'm going to enjoy heaven, but that's a tough one. Why I'm struggling right here, I'm just saying struggling preaching it because I know it's going to be a gut punch to some of you. Let's take it past your spouses. You ready? How many of you have lost kids? When you buried them, you get up there, you're going to know them. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Not sure you're going to know them as your child. You're going to know them. It's going to be a blessing. Don't get me wrong. Just don't think they'll be considered. And if I'm wrong, I'll apologize to you in heaven. That's a gut punch. I've got a baby in heaven, but I don't think in heaven I'm going to be her daddy. I think I'm going to be her brother. Why I'm struggling here is he's everlasting father. Let me get to the point. How many of us buried your father? Look at them hands. This is why I struggle. He was your father here. I don't think he will be up there. Bam! That's a gut punch. The only thing eternal and everlasting family-wise is he's our father. And up there we're all going to be brothers and sisters. I can't explain that, and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer today, but I promise you heaven will still be just as good, even though you're not going to be married to Ray, even though they're not that little baby I got up there ain't going to be my daughter. And even though Ronnie Pierce ain't going to be my father up there, I promise you because of the everlasting father, once he becomes your father, there's no end to that. I promise because he's a good, good father, he wrote the script and it's going to be fine. But when you preach that, I can just see it let the air out of people. We get this mindset that we're going to get up there and we're going to go over to Sunday dinner. Me and my spouse are going to go to Sunday dinner at Thelbert and Wanda's. And this week and next week we're going to go to Ronnie and Reed. That's how it works down here with family, isn't it? But the truth of the matter is, he's the everlasting father. And I promise you, we'll be happy as one big family up there. Married or no married, no kids, no fathers, but one father, the good, good father, perfect in every way. And all God's people said, so now that I've got you guys wondering about that and thinking about that, where can I go in Scripture to know them? I'm going to know them. You're going to know them as they're known. Don't get me wrong. But the family ties are temporary. They're down here. One father in heaven probably quit there and you guys chew on that the rest of the day I guess or come go read the scriptures and come back and prove me wrong I guess whatever you're going to do but let me just finish spelling father don't quit me he's a good good father perfect in every way he's a forgiving father an adopting father a trustworthy father a helping father an everlasting father but father ends with an R He's a returning father. 
see left out. And John got a vision in Revelation 21. And what was it? It was heaven coming down. Now, I believe that's after the tribulation, but I'm not going to get into that. I've done give you something to chew on, and you're thinking, and you're missing this point over the everlasting deal. There's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. I'm a pan-trib. It's going to pan out. But look here. John saw it coming down. Bride adorned for husband. But what gets me, he says, and there was the tabernacle of God. And God says, I'll be with men, and they'll be with me, and I shall be their God. He's coming back. And see, there's earthly fathers that's left. I've not experienced, but they've left. And guess what? They've never come back. You've heard me share the story about my cousin. All the cousins, Locust Grove community called it Pierceville because all the Pierces lived out on the same section. So all those cousins could kind of run all over that 300, 400 acres out there. Is everybody staying with me? And when we'd be going to do something, there was one little white-haired boy. He'd be sitting on the porch. You want to go ride with us? Horses, three-wheelers. You want to go play ball with us? Little cotton-top boy would say, no, I'm waiting on my daddy. See, us older ones knew his daddy wasn't coming. We'd try to talk him into coming. And we'd get back after several hours of us having fun. You remember that little cotton-top boy would still be? He'd still be sitting on the steps. Still waiting for his daddy. And his daddy never come back. Sometimes in this world, and we see it getting all evil. Look at me, listen to me. We think, man, are you ever going to come back, Jesus? I had a pretty good idea that one wasn't coming back when I got a little older. But I'm here to tell you, the good, good Father, who's perfect in every way, He's going to return. He don't want us sitting on the porch. He wants us to be in the fields that are white and ready for harvest. But man, I'm ready for him to come again. You know, when I went to that AI and preg school, I left on a Monday morning and wasn't going to get back home till a Thursday afternoon. And Trey and Reagan and Truett and Tay was going to fly out Thursday evening for a week's vacation, be gone from a Thursday to a Thursday. That's all okay with everybody, but pass upon through it. Because if you do the math on that, that's about uh, 11 days. And I had told them I hoped I got home from the AI school in time to just have a little horseback ride before they'd try to ruin him on a beach. And he called me. And he said, Pass Paul, when are you coming home? I said, it won't be long. And here was his words. Past Paul, time is taking too long. Come home now. 
I'm kind of like Truett with the Lord. I look to heaven and say, Father, time is taking too long. Come on and home. Amen. And maybe you're saying, how can you want him to come home? I want him to come home because he's the good, good father. Perfect in every way. And the further I see America and the church drifting from God, time's taking too long. Come on home, Jesus. Listen to me today. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, God says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I want you to look up here, and I want you to listen. Don't want you to just go through the motions on a Father's Day Sunday. He's a good, good father, perfect in every way. Some of you need to hit the altars. Don't let a potato head get in your way. That's the first thing I thought. Some potato head's going to get some Christian in the way of somebody going to the altar. But I wasn't thinking literally this. I was thinking how many times does some potato head, carnal Christian, keep somebody from coming to the altar? Don't let anybody keep you from coming to the altar today because you've got a forgiving Father that will meet you there. If you're lost, don't let some hypocrite or carnal Christian keeping you come from the altar today because you've got a Father there that will adopt you and rescue you from your Father the devil, save you and forgive you. You're going through something tough and it's hurting, trust Him. You can't trace His hand today. But I'm telling you, you can trust his heart. Meet the God that's trustworthy in the altars today. You got something that nobody can help you with? Well, I'm going to tell you, it may be above your pastor's head. It may be above your father's head, earthly speaking. But it's not above the good, good father's head. He can help you. And come and thank him that when you become his child, nobody could snatch you out of his hand. He's the everlasting father. And if you don't have no other reason, why don't you come and tell him today, time's taking too long. Why don't you come on home? Amen. Let's all stand.